Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. 175 million album sales. The only band in history to have topped the chart in four successive decades. More Grammy wins than any other band. 14 number one albums, 21 number one singles. They are the biggest band in the world. And they're bringing the world home to Ireland with a brand new Disney Plus documentary to celebrate their new album, Songs of Surrender. This is out on Friday. This is a bit of a day, isn't it? While Larry was injured and Adam was off making an art film, Edge and I asked David Letterman to Dublin to talk about our songs. Years of reflection has caused you to change lyrics in some of these songs. We wanted to strip away the artifice that inevitably emerges after you've been around this long. Bono on the Edge, a sort of homecoming with Dave Letterman is out on Friday. That'll be Patrick's Day. And on the line is the man so famous, we only know him by two words. The Edge. How are you? Whoa. I'm great. I decided to go pro for you We're guys. I'm very like, impressed, I have to say, with microphones. No, we just use well, tin cans and string and like <laughs> see if anyone can hear us. We shout into them. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you see, I always wanted to really be a studio engineer. I just fell into the guitar playing by mistake. <laughs> Tinkering with hardware is right up my alley. Mm, well, can can yeah. I begin this interview then with my terrible studio engineer joke, Edge? Would you be okay with that? Okay. Sure, no problem. <laughs> Just like you, Edge, I never fulfilled my dream of being a studio engineer, but I'm not one to, one to, one to complain. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thanks, one thanks. Two. I've been working on it. What wow. is that? Yeah, I always love that. One, two, one, two. It's a, I'm sure there's a class you have to take in yeah. college. Yeah, Well, we're yeah. definitely up and running because uh, we're, we're like 10 seconds into the interview and Dave got a bad joke in there. So, <laughs> so all is well with the world. Um, uh, where are you this morning, Edge? Where are you in Ireland? or? I am. I'm in, I'm in Dublin. And uh, yes, enjoying the, the fine greyness, which uh, always makes me feel at home. Uh, and it's always a hallmark of uh, St. Patrick's Day is uh, the great clouds and the rain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, I think Dermot's Dur- really- being polite. What he really wants to know is what exact address are you at and can he call over? <laughs> this is really what he's asking. Oh <laughs> uh, No, it's it's not like that, honestly. No, but this is... Do you still have a classic car? Because I, I think you used to have a lovely old Merc years ago. Um, that I used to see kind of around Lansdowne Road. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have them both. I had two, actually, two old Mercs. One uh, formerly owned by uh, a very famous TV star um, whose name is escaping me right now. His, he's so ex- uh, he's so famous. Um, <laughs> who did uh, This Is Your Life? Eamon. Oh, Eamon Andrews. Eamon Andrews. Eamon Andrews. Great. Sorry. Oh. Senior moment there. Eamon, Eamon's car. So I bought that from... The family um, many years ago. That's the the green one, and then the yeah. silver one. Also bought in, in Ireland, um, which featured in uh, a, a YouTube video, uh, sweetest thing. And yeah, they're they're. I'm not using them on a day to day basis. They're out somewhere in Kildare, being pampered by somebody. <laughs> really they're in a classic car <laughs> stable, being fed and watered every day. Um, yeah. 
Well, look, it's it's so lovely to talk to you. We've got so much to get through because uh, in typical yeah. U2 fashion, you guys are doing everything at the same time <laughs> and they're all the biggest things in the world. Yes. So, <laughs> No wonder that movie won the Oscar, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's just all U2's once. mantra. <laughs> yeah. Story of our lives. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's kick it off with the documentary, if you don't mind, because sure. uh, obviously we've had a, a sneak peek at it. It is the uh, Disney Plus doc, Bono and the Edge, is sort mm. of homecoming with Dave Letterman. Uh, I think Dave Letterman was just the perfect host because it it could have been it could have gone down the sycophantic superfan road, um, but mm. he's just like a big child who's having the best day of his life with a band that he greatly admires, and it just has a lovely tone. And um, why did you pick Dave? Well, precisely because we thought he'd be the perfect antidote to Van on my um, intensity and <laughs> earnestness. So his levity, the humour that Dave brings, is perfect and the fact that he doesn't know ireland at all it's like slightly fish out of water in in a great way um and it turned out to be a great choice because not only does he fall in love with ireland and you sort of see that happening during the course of the film but also anytime there's a hint of us getting too intense and serious dave just (laughs) cracks a joke and you know you just can't be too intense around him he's he he brings lightness and fun to, to everything and I mean, he's also that little bit of cynicism, which is which is probably also useful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's it's lovely. It must be lovely for him. I mean, he he wanders around a city he's never been in and a country he says he's never been in, and like he literally takes two steps out of his hotel and somebody just goes, "Hey, Dave Letterman," and like he must just go, "Oh yeah, I'm I really am known everywhere." Yeah, even with the beard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was an amazing thing. And I mean, you can't fake that. He really absolutely fell for the for the country and for the city and the people. And I guess it's understandable because we, we laid it on. At one point, we were trying to organize some busking. We actually thought we might bring, um, do a kind of Christmas busk a few weeks early. Mm. But that fell, fell through. So we went to McDade's and had a fantastic session with a bunch of our our friends and some some musicians we hadn't known before but that was the highlight for him i think was oh that. and the envy that uh, i felt watching that um as someone who plays guitar and loves an l sing song and then to see we don't want to give too much away but as you said this barrage of beautiful irish uh, musicians bono edge dave letterman all in mcdade's pints of guinness flown sing song happening it's it's a it's yeah. a really real high point in the documentary yeah, and I, you're right. I think again, we were really focused on the songs. That was what we wanted to explain: was where the songs kind of sat. You know, what 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 was the uh, the surroundings that brought those songs out of us, so to speak, in Dublin? Obviously, most of them are written in some part in in the city. So that was the main focus. But then just this other side of it came through that we hadn't really thought about, which is to the city itself, mm. serenading Dave. And so anyway, turned out great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you can just see, I mean, the, the Americans, the Americans must be just licking their lips. They've had the banshees of Inishirin with little donkeys and everything. And now they get like the most pure, like essential oil of Dublin out of, out of this TV show. It just really makes you want to go, you know, rushing to Dublin. It shows it yeah. in a great light. Yeah, I, I, the, the light I see it in. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah. One of the things that that surprised me a little as a U two fan, but maybe not a U two you know super fan, 
is I probably didn't realise, Edge, how many songs you wrote. You know, I suppose lyrically at least. I, I think I knew musically you, you know, you did so much writing, but I thought lyrically maybe Bono went, okay, well, I'm going to write the lyrics of this because I've got to sing them, whatever. But that was a real eye-opener for me and, and amazing to see the stories behind those songs. It was a really important part of the documentary, I thought. Mm, well, I mean, Bono is the principal lyric writer for that very reason that he has to sing them. But um, as as in all the members of U two, if if there's a great idea in the room, we we're not shy. You know, we will we will grab it. And mm. you know, whether that's somebody hums me a guitar part, or somebody hums Larry a drum part, or lyric idea, whatever. So, and Bono and I do formally kind of sit to work on the words together uh, at times, simply because if you're working on your own, it's very hard to sort of keep the momentum and get inspiration. So often I'm, I, f I feel like I'm more like in an editor role, but, but sometimes I'll sort of weigh in. And the funniest part about it is sometimes I'll hear a line that I know Bono's reaching for, but he can't get there mm. or, or a line that would make, would come out of his mouth really well. So, Knowing each other as well as we do, I think that that's also mm. helped. I love there's a bit in the documentary you talk about um, the voice notes on your phone and that you'll often get up in the middle of the night, you'll just have an idea or you hear a guitar part in your head and you've got to get it down. And you've got over 6,000 voice notes <laughs> of little pieces of music and ideas yeah. in your phone. Yeah. And I, I just shivered with fear that, oh, geez, if he hasn't backed that up or he loses the phone, <laughs> we lose this chunk oh, no. of Irish music history. And yeah, do, do you ever dive in there, or, you know, go back in and just, uh, oh, I think any U2 time. fan would just love to get your phone for half an hour and just have a listen and see what's in there. <laughs> All the time. I mean, it is like the sketch pad for mm. me. Before that was uh, Bono and I used to carry uh, little recording Walkman uh, units, and that would be we just hum ideas, and there'd be recordings of us in rehearsal, or you know, just in a room with acoustic guitars. So I've I've a bunch of those from the past. A lot. I mean, the the truth is, a really great idea will often get grabbed and used. Um, so there's a lot of. Uh, a lot of mumbling and and incoherence <laughs> to be heard if you go back. But then, with the phone thing, I you know I have a lot of great stuff coming through. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about the next batch of new U two songs. Well, so are we, and we're wondering. I mean, there's rumors that there's uh, apart from the the new album "Songs of Surrender," of course, coming out on Paddy's Day. Apart from that, we're we're hearing rumblings of a new U two full blooded record. Is that is that on the cards? I think we could probably put something out next week if we had to, but um, I don't think we're ready to to sort of say it's going to be mm. this record. And um, certainly lyric wise, we we haven't really cracked cracked it yet. But yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, and it, it's um, quite varied. You know, some of it's um, new songs in a kind of acoustic style. I think Bono was talking about that as songs of ascent. But mm. then there's uh, a lot of guitar stuff that I've been working on that's um, more more traditional U2 band sounding. And I, I think, although some of the songs, the acoustic songs are really great, really amazing songs, I think the next thing we do probably should be a band sounding record. I just have that mm. instinct. Mm. I really feel guitar is on the way back. Not, not that it's gone away 
for say, but I think it's it's not really been at the forefront of music culture for a while. And if you looked at the streaming charts over the last couple of years, is often there's very few guitar songs in the charts these days. Well, I think I think it's coming back. It's bubbling under. I yeah. feel like we're ready for it, definitely. Well, as a man with a growing guitar collection, Ed, you're saying all the right things. I'm going to record this little bit, play it to my wife and go, see, that's why I need to buy more fact, guitars. Ed said it. We need to check, Ed, because uh, I have a feeling that Dave has probably has more guitars than you. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, how many, right. gu- how many guitars do you have? Well, let's ask Ed first. Okay, Ed, how many guitars do you have in your collection, would you say? Well, you see, these are these are not a. It's not a collection per se. These are the tools of the trade. You got to remember that. So these <laughs> no, are all. In, I don't uh, have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think it's might be now. This probably includes Bono's guitars as well. It's, I think it's five hundred. Oh, I'm safe. I'm safe. <laughs> How many do you have? I have about I have about eighty two. Oh, must try oh. harder. <laughs> but I'm also not a rock star, so <laughs> he is in his head. I yeah. I get gifted instruments as well, which I think are in the collection. And to be fair, um, I don't know what to do with some of those. It's like, oh, like, Edge, I've got a suggestion. Um, I've got a virgin in collection. <laughs> okay, if you'd good. like to donate even one or two, <laughs> <laughs> we for, might talk up there. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for Dave's charity, uh, which is Dave's guitar collection. Um, come here. We we must talk about songs of surrender. It's also out on Friday. This is the new album, forty songs reimagined. So these are our U two favorites reimagined by yourself. And when I was watching, you know, you talk about them in the documentary, and obviously listening to the tracks that that are available to us so far. I was wondering, is it a weird feeling that, you know, these are your songs, you wrote them. And then Mm. when you go to, you know, go back to them and reimagine them and change them and some of the lyrics are changed and, and, you know, musically, maybe they're a little bit different. People who are fans have a sense of ownership over your work and they... You know, some mm-hmm. people might feel, hey, what are you doing? They were great the way they were. Why, why are you doing that? Why are you changing that lyric? Is it, is it funny that something that's so personal and creative to you it seems to be shared and owned by so many people around the world who feel like they have a say in what should happen to the songs? I mean, I take that as a great compliment. And it, it, it reveals that this music has become kind of the soundtrack to people's lives mm. in a great way. So that that's a great feeling um which is you know not not what people might imagine one of my abiding memories of feeling like our music had entered the language was when i was in tokyo in an elevator and i heard one of our songs um being played in music <laughs> and i just thought <laughs> yes we've made it yes. for lift music <laughs> we've arrived <laughs> because because the company you know we were in and uh, so I, I take that as a great compliment mm. that people feel ownership in that way. And of course, songs can become very personal. I mean, some songs, you know, of, from other acts of, are like that for me. So, yeah, I don't, that doesn't bother me. But we did give ourselves permission early on to to not feel that we had to be reverent to the original version, simply because that, that, what's the point? You know, mm. this, this was about a reimagining and this was about trying to take those songs and and make them relevant to this moment and to Bono as a singer today you know and uh, as a singer he's he's a lot more um i think is uh, a better interpreter of of a of a song than he used to be because often we would be 
playing the backing track in a key where he would have to be at the top of his range for a lot of the time and it was like all our songs were designed for for live for the live context for for a show maximum where impact. we might yeah it might be in a venue with you know half and half you two fans people didn't know who we were or we'd be opening up for another act or you know in a venue maybe a little bigger than we were comfortable with so there was a kind of need to be very big and intense to sort of communicate but now also the way people are listening to music is different like when yeah. we were kids you used to have to go to somebody's house put on the, the vinyl record and that was you know when we were 16 70 that's really the, the way you heard the music you wanted to hear today you've got everything you want at, at all times of the day and night so there's times you want it toned down a bit and i think that's what's lovely about this collection is people who love you too but don't necessarily want that intensity they can listen to these songs these versions because it really feels like bono's singing in your ear you know it's yeah. really very very intimate um experience and that was one of the things we were radical in intimacy we call them call the intimacy the new punk rock which uh <laughs> for us um you know it's it's such a contrast to what we've been about mm. mostly over well, let's take a listen to a little snippet of that kind of intimacy you're talking about. Here's Beautiful Day uh, from that record. It was a beautiful day the way that sounds as you say that intimacy and I, I don't know if you heard Edge but on Friday uh, we had a, show, a big thing here on the radio station called The Big Busk and it was to raise money for Focus Ireland obviously a charity in the fight against homelessness and we yeah. did we did amazing we're waiting on a final total but it's definitely upwards of, of a quarter of a million euro we managed to raise but uh, Dermot and myself uh, we we chose four of our favourite acts and we each sang a song from, from two of them there was The Police and Metallica and Backstreet Boys but <laughs> but Dermot did a version of Beautiful Day as uh, as Bono and I was Edge and just have a listen and see what you think of this version. <laughs> My heart is a bloom Shoots up through the stony ground There's no room No space to rent in this town It's a beautiful day I mean, I think if you're if you're ever struggling for some substitutes, yeah, well, you've replaced yeah. your drummer, so you know, uh, vocalist is next, and I'm ready, Edge. I'm absolutely okay. ready. It's good to know. <laughs> He's putting me in the maybe pile there. Spe speaking of the drummer stepping in, let's talk about these Vegas shows that are happening. So, uh, you right. you two, UV, Acton Baby, live at the Sphere. No dates yet, but what can we expect inside a giant sphere with you two? Yeah, it's the most. A jaw-dropping um, venue when when you go visit. We were there actually. Um, myself and Bonnet called in, put on the hard hats to to <laughs> see how things were going. Literally, because this venue is being finished off uh, right now. We won't get our hands on it till later in the summer. Um, so there's a, it's a little bit of a nail-biting uh, period where we're just hoping that something doesn't hold up uh, mm. the process. But uh, you know, hopefully. We're talking about 
you know the the end of this year for these shows so uh it's an amazing venue i mean the it's light years ahead of anything out there in terms of the technology because it's been purpose-built for entertainment particularly for film and live concerts yeah so the audio itself you know very few rooms are designed for perfect audio i guess cinemas would be but um this is a level of design which i've never come across so there's a kind of flexibility and, and precision in what you can deliver uh sound wise that we've never come across so we're very excited on that front but then the visual side of it i mean it's a big venue it's eighteen thousand people so don't think about it like a residency yeah. as such i mean this place had been anywhere else in the world we would have also done the same so it's not it's not really about vegas so much it's about this venue mm. so um there's one hundred twenty thousand square foot of this really high-res uh video screen inside which means that you can create a completely immersive visual experience which is fantastic for any kind of film um you know nature films particularly will be fantastic but also because it's digital uh and because it's technology of today with we see with avatar or whatever you can create new worlds and and people can experience what it's like to be in a completely digital uh fantasy world in in the case of us and you too we're experimenting with some of the stuff that we would have done in previous tours so we're in, in involving like a graphics side of stuff and right. some of the experiments are mind-blowing so you know we love that opportunity to take our music and marry it with the right visuals that kind of add an extra dimension um and so we're at the i wouldn't say the beginning of the process we're in the middle of the process of figuring out what this can do for for our music and for our fans but we're very excited about it and as i say this this is a one-off so we're, we're not going to be able to tour this particular no, show. No, it's for this venue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, speaking of a tour, is there any hope of an Irish date? Are we hearing rumors of things or is that just people wanting to get a few clicks? Crow, 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 come on Well, I haven't heard any of the rumors yet, so um, <laughs> that tells you anything. But, you know, look, we're we're a, a band that, um, you know, takes a little time to, to get uh, warmed up and I would think it's unlikely that we'd be able to do that this year because we're focused so much on this this sphere um series of shows so mm. that's that's really the focus mm. right well we'll we'll wait and see um yeah. listen thank you very much uh the edge for chatting to us uh, it's been a real real treat i am available um just saying right um uh, just keep me in the back pocket and uh, just okay. drop those guitars over in the classic mark anytime you want <laughs> okay, okay. Edge, thanks so much great to chat to you Great to chat. Thanks. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9 a.m. Today FM.